Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. And today we cover week 15 in all of its glory. The final four weeks in the NFL season are here. We cover the games, our predictions, and analyze the biggest stories to come out of them. That's Nick here on the His and Hers podcast. All right, Paige, the Thursday night game, the only statement I have about it is Brandon Staley should be left in Las Vegas. He should not be back on the plane ride, the short plane ride it would be, uh, back to Los Angeles after uh, getting down 49 to nothing. I think it's 49-7 right now, but what a disaster of a Thursday night performance. Hey, game's not over, so there could definitely be a comeback here. Yes. It's not over till e- it's over. Easton Stick. It's going to lead the comeback of the ages. You know, we mentioned last week, uh, we both went to the Vikings Raiders game um, in all of its glory, uh, all three points of the glory it was. So we were talking and I wanted to get your opinion on this uh, conspiracy theory, right? We've heard about the NFL being scripted, uh, that the storylines are already fleshed out and, and everything of that nature. So, I threw out a theory. What if at the beginning of the season, you're allocated a certain amount of points that you're going to score in that season and the game, you just have to, you know, each week before the game, you have to throw out how many points you're going to score in that game. And then you just hope that it's enough uh, to beat the other opponents. And that's where the games end up going. Um, What do you think of that theory? I think it's, uh, I think Zach's lost all hope in a Vikings playoff game that he started to really just dive into <laughs> some some conspiracy theories there. Yes. I thought of that all but, you know, I kind of like I, it. I want that I, to be known. I, because you're Antonio Pierce. You're like, okay, this is a non-conference game against, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I want to save my points for a flash. And he flashed it out against the, against the Chargers primetime home game. Everyone's seeing him dominate and and put on quite the audition for the head coaching job uh moving forward i, it, I just it's kind I of just, a dumb I, just, theory, I, I just don't know that any coach would say yeah zero points give yourself no chance to win yeah that's i mean that's where it kind of fell apart when i realized that the the vikings would only put three <laughs> and yeah so fair point that's a that's a very valid point but we like your effort come back next week with a better conspiracy theory and we'll discuss again Yes, and that's a perfect segue because you brought up the Vikings playoffs. The Vikings have a 71% chance to make the playoffs. They open up the uh, triple header Saturday games. Uh, We see this every year. Once the college football season ends, the NFL overtakes Saturdays to then have games played on four days of the week. They just want to, they just, you know, no complaints here, but they want football on as much as possible. They travel to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Both are seven and six. Both are firmly in a decent playoff position. Position the Vikings in much better <clears throat> than the Bengals. Um, Jake Browning has uh, done a lot better than most people have thought he would. He started three games, passed for 856 yards with a 79.3 completion percentage. It's the highest since 1950 for a quarterback in his first three starts. Now, Jake Browning of Washington Husky. Uh, Allure, the alum there, 
uh, has played really, really well, played really well last week um, in the win against the Colts, but now faces a defense that has given up one touchdown in the last three games, just pitched a shutout, and is playing outside of its mind. This is without a doubt going to be the toughest test that he's faced to this point and probably until he reaches the playoffs. Paige, what do you make of this game? And do you think the Vikings have a chance to pick up a pivotal win on the road in Cincinnati? First, I just think that some of the things that need to be called out here is listening to, I'm listening to ESPN today, and there's all these different analysts talking about how that Jake Browning might be the answer for Cincinnati and that should Cincinnati consider trading Joe Burrow out of Cincinnati. And I'm like, is is there more is there a more reactive fan base than NFL fans? Because no. I'm like, I'm sorry, Joe Burrow has proven time and time again over the past few years that he is top tier, top five quarterback material. And granted, he has suffered some injuries that have prevented him from like being able to play all of the time. But the fact that you would take one guy's three game streak that, as we talked about last week, that you brought up of like we could definitely put most of that on Zach Taylor's coaching ability. And so anyways, that's just a whole nother tangent on its own. But I just think it's so funny how reactive it's like we get this late in the season and everybody just wants to pull out any sort of talk track they possibly can. That's going to get clickbait with everything else going on in in the world. And so I think that that's 90 percent of the reason people are even having those conversations. But when it comes to this game, I do agree. This is the toughest defense that the Bengals have faced with Browning at quarterback. So I don't think I think you're going to see a delay in Browning's timing. Um, I don't have 100% trust in Dick Mullins at quarterback of the Vikings. And so I'm going to take, I think I'm going to take the Bengals in this one. I think they're going to be able to pull this win, but I do think it's going to be a close game. And I think that the Vikings defense is going to put a lot of pressure on grounding that he has not experienced to this point. Yeah. I think ultimately, you know, Nick Mullins, you know, you want to talk about a reactionary league, having listened to a lot of Minnesota Vikings, that stretch with uh, Josh Dobbs with the Falcons in the saints game. And even to that first portion of the Broncos game, I'll never forget it. It was a lot of fun. And there's a lot of fans that were, you know, saying like, this is the future. Not Maybe not exactly Nick Mullins, but a guy who is quick twitched, can move and, uh, you know, kind of expand your offense in that way. And then it just really fell apart rather fast. It was really interesting because I feel like, you know, the first half of the Saints game put up 24 points. It was electric. Um, and then it really fell apart there. It picked up a little bit in the Broncos game, but these last two games against the Bears and the, and the Raiders was unbelievable. And so he went from QB1, and people talk about him being maybe a future piece of the Vikings, to he not only got benched for Nick Mullins, but is now the third-string quarterback on the roster, which is, you know, it's crazy how quickly things can change over the course of the season. Uh, and with that Joshua, said, I mean, the NFL put Joshua Dobbs as like their Twitter profile. There. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was he a was, new year. It was hyping. star. It was hyping for a while. So the Vikings look are looking to become the uh, another team. The Browns did. I think there's only been like three or four teams that have won with uh, with four different quarterbacks in the same season, four different starting quarterbacks. Uh, and so the Vikings look to do the Browns actually just did, you know, last week with Joe Flacco. Um, and so still blows my mind. Joe Flacco still in the league. Joe Flacco. I, yeah, he's been doing it a long time. You know, there's things that you can trust in life. You can always rely on certain people and we can all rely on Joe Flacco. 
Well, I mean, Heath Rowe is probably the best spiral. His spiral leaving his hand is just, it's electric. Electric. That alone has kept him in the league for 40 years. Yes, yes. I'm going to pick the Vikings to win. I do think that, you know, biasly, but I think the Vikings have a good chance of going in there uh, because, as mentioned, if you look at, I think the perfect case study, A. O'Connell couldn't move the ball against Brian Flores. Couldn't do anything. Justin Fields the week before couldn't do anything against Brian Flores in the defense. They Let's both, go Brian Flores. They, they both followed that up with tremendous performances the week after because they think they're like, well, it can't get any harder than what we just faced. And so uh, it's been pretty fun to watch. I'm going to give the Vikings the win. The Pittsburgh Steelers traveled Indianapolis take on the Colts. They were sitting at 7-4. and four. They had two home games against two 2-10 two teams at the time, Arizona and New England. Um, they lose both of them. Now they go on the road to face Indianapolis with their playoff hopes hanging in the balance. Um, it's going to, you know, they are trending towards the first losing season of Mike Tomlin's career. Paige, this is a pivotal wild card match, uh, I guess, playoff hunt type of win for either. If you win it, you put yourself in a good spot. If you lose, you're probably out. Who do you have picking up the win? Gardner Minshew and the feisty Colts or the never quit Pittsburgh Steelers? I think this is a perfect storm for the Steelers to lose because Colts coming off of a loss last week after a four game winning streak. And I just, I like what the Colts have done this season. And I just think the lack of any offensive game plan from Pittsburgh has finally caught up with them. Um, they've been held under 20 points in four straight and are coming off two home losses that you mentioned a combined total of six wins. And so I'm just going to back the Colts in this one. I think you're going to see the Steelers lose this again. And those playoff is going to really just start slipping out of their hands. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this. Oh, um, I'm just, I'm just going to go with the trend that the Colts, this was a, a really good first step for Shane Steichen in that team. Uh, but it, they're not going to be in the playoffs this year. And so that's kind of where this, I flipped a coin. I'm like, well, if someone's going to make it, I'm going to go with Mike Tomlin. I'm going to go with the experience. We'll go TJ Watt and company uh, over a young Colts team. Um, you know, there's different elements to it, but I, I do think that the Steelers will pick up the win at home. Yeah, I guess they're on the road. It never, go, it never goes well when I don't remember Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Listen, but, he's not good as a favorite, as shown with the previous two weeks, but as a underdog, he's he phenomenal. Does, he does. I don't know why that is. The third game of Saturday is a good one, one that has a ton of meaning, meaning to the game. Now, not that I think this is going to happen, but there is a world where the Lions, who at one point were being talked about in the one seed category, and I guess technically still could be viewed that way, could also find themselves losing the division in two weeks. Now, that scenario would be they lose to the Broncos. They then lose to the Minnesota Vikings if the Minnesota Vikings were to beat Cincinnati, and then the Vikings beat Green Bay. So basically, if the Vikings win the next three, and the Lions lose these next two, that there would be a situation where they would lose the division, which would be would be terrible for for them and their fans. It's you know I I know their division, but they've never been good, so I don't hate them, and I would feel very sad for them, but also very happy for me. But Paige Denver has improved. You want to talk about a team flipping it around? They gave up seventy points uh, not too long ago, but Detroit's lost two of their three, 
And the Broncos also find themselves in the division hunt, only a game back of the Kansas City Chiefs. What happens here, Paige? Does Jared Goff correct his course, get back on track? Do they pick up an important home win? Or do the Broncos go in and make another step towards the playoffs, something that seemed unfathomable in September? Yeah, I mean, shout out to the Chicago Bears for beating the Lions last week and just keeping the Vikings' hopes alive. Right there, baby. Um, This one's difficult for me to choose because they haven't covered the spread in the last two games, but they are hosting. And six of Broncos have won the six of the last seven matchups between these two teams. Um, The Lions are turning the ball over way too much. In the last four weeks, they've given 10 giveaways, and that's aided in their losses. And so, ha, I can't. This one's difficult, but I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put my trust in Sean Payton. I'm taking Oh, oh all right. I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going there. It's going to be close though. Field goal is going to win the game. So deep into the history of the relationship between Dan Campbell and Sean Payton, Dan Campbell was on that New Orleans Saints roster for eight or coaching staff, excuse me. For a very long time, they have a long history together. If my memory serves me correctly, I believe that they were on the Cowboys together. Sean Payton is a coach when um, Dan Campbell was still playing. Uh, so they spent a lot of time together. I know there's a deep relationship there, kind of a master sensei t- type of thing. And so as much as I want the Broncos to win, and I do, going to be cheering for them. I think that the Lions know how pivotal the game this is. They haven't been playing really well. And maybe that's just kind of the downward trajectory that they're in. And that defense is not good, not good at all. I'm just going to side with the home team on this one uh, in this game because it really is kind of a 50-50 situation. I'm going to go with Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell and company to pick up the win at home uh, to hold serve and to keep their season on track as much as they can. Remember that we song, open- Oh Danny Boy? Remember that one? Was that that Christmas song? No, it's like from the Mish. The stars, the stars are shining. No, no, no I don't. Not the Atlanta Falcons are on the road for the Carolina Panthers page. Did you know that if you had two quarters, 50 cents, and this will gross you out because I imagine you dropped some coin on that Raiders ticket this past weekend. You'd only need two quarters, 50 cents to get into this game. Two quarters. 50 cents to go watch an NFL football game. Atlanta this season has lost five one-score games. Young, young, wait, Koo, he's the most accurate kicker, had one miss last week, and he missed, uh, he had, oh, excuse me, he only had one miss going into last week's game, and he missed two field goals last week in a game they lost by four. So pivotal misses there by Mr. Koo. Not many people can be watching this, but this does mean a lot for the Falcons' season. Does Bryce Young get notch his second win as a rookie, and do they knock off the Falcons and kind of derail their season? I don't think so. Yeah, I I don't think so. Um, I think that uh, Atlanta's going to come out and win this game. That's really all I have to say. Carolina's really bad. Yeah, the defense of Atlanta is really, really good. <laughs> Definitely a strong point. The only way Carolina win this game is if Desmond Ritter does some dumb stuff. That's that's really the breakdown. Well, and you know, 
He could. He could. But I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick the Falcons. But I'm with you. Definitely not an easy like yes check type of game. Check uh, is Juliet. Are you with me? You are referencing a lot of songs. I, I'm in a yeah. You know holidays. Holidays. The Chicago Bears, who are playing really well as of late, travel to Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns. I think it's funny how the world works. You know, we mentioned Flacco earlier. This man used to obliterate the Browns. I think he has like an 80% winning percentage against the Browns. Like, used to just beat them down. And now he's leading them to the playoffs. Pretty sweet. In five games since being traded to Chicago, Montez Sweat has a team best three and a half sacks and helped the Bears rise to become a top five defense. That is total defense, pass defense, and takeaways over that span. They just knocked off the Lions. They beat the Vikings the week before and should have beat the Lions the week before that. So they're playing well. Defense is turning the ball over. Do they go into Cleveland and put a loss on them? The Bears kind of sneaky. Lingering in the playoffs, although they'd have to really rattle off some wins here to end the year. Do you see that happening, or do you think the Browns Browns hold serve and pick up the win at home? Mm. This one's also this one's also just a hard pick for me because I feel like the Browns have been that team this season where it's like so up and down, where it's like some games I'm like, yes, like this is. This defense is dominant. They've got this figured out. And then there's other games where I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And this yeah. doesn't seem to have any flow to it. Um, and so I like, I want to say that the Browns have the ability to beat them, but I just think that the Bears are so hot right now that I think there's a really good chance. And I'm going to take the Bears. Ooh, you got the Bears. I'm going to take, take the Bears. I have to give you an update. The the, the Raiders are up 63 to 7 right what now. What is happening? That is. Uh, that is. <laughs> man, any I, I feel you know you know what sucks so bad is we were at that stadium. The there the people sitting next to us were Raiders fans that flew in from Kentucky. They had then been to a game and they'd never been to an NFL game. They flew in from Kentucky to watch their Raiders play. They didn't see him score. So for them to be sitting there now, knowing that they went to a game and four days later they were going to score sixty three, yes, that's, that's got to hurt. So it it was back to back defensive touchdowns. Easton Sick fumbled and and then he threw an interception and they both were returned. <laughs> yeah, it was the same situation. The guy sitting next to me, uh, their buddy passed away. Massive, you know, they all were massive Raiders fans, and so they picked this game, the Vikings game. Uh, they had 24 of them across the stadium. They'd been there for three days before, uh, had tailgated and were there just, you know, and I'm they saw high. he was, he was, uh, inconsolable at the end of the game. I felt, I felt pretty bad, but yeah, 63, seven, I, I, like I said earlier, Brandon Staley should not be on the plane right back. I, I think, I you think, think he's going to be, you think he's no. going to be, he'll probably get the plane right home. And then be fired. <laughs> oh, you don't think they're going to strand him in Vegas? Hey, it's not like it hasn't happened before. And listen, if you're going to get stranded anywhere, if you're a rich person, I guess, I mean, sure. I don't know. Better than being dumped even, like being even, Well, I guess even if you're a poor person, I'm sure that it wouldn't be bad. Yeah, but. If you, uh, I'm, I'm not a Vegas fan, but. Right, but like, imagine being fired in Green Bay. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, got to go hang I, out with the polar bear. That would suck. Uh, I got the Browns winning. I do think the Bears are improving, but I think the Browns pick up the win. This is a very big game between two teams. One, I guess they both are technically still in the playoff or in the division race, but one, the Buccaneers, really in the thick of it. The Packers were trending so high in the right direction. Uh, and I enjoyed that. And then they did football. us all a favor. Yes, I love that game so much. They lost to the Giants on a walk-off field goal. Um, they gave up over 200 yards on the ground for the fourth time this season. That's pretty hard to believe. Saquon Barkley, 86 yards on 20 carries with two touchdowns. They gave up the game when he jive to Danny DeVito, everyone's favorite Italian. The Tampa Buccaneers are probably the best team in that division, but they have this tough road test uh, that's going to challenge them. But Paige, do you believe the Packers will stumble again, or do they right their wrongs and get right back into the thick of the NFC wildcard race? Because the loss here, it would start to get real dicey for them. Yeah, I mean, my heart of hearts wants to take the bucks on this one, but I do think one of the things for the Green Bay's biggest problem this season has been turnovers. Um, and I just think that the Buccaneers defense is not that overwhelming for the, this Packers offense. So I don't think those turnovers are going to happen. And because of that, I think that the Packers are going to win. Yeah, as, much, as much as I want them to not. Yeah, I, that's how I am. I mean, I just have visions of the last time Baker Mayfield played in Lambeau Field. It was Christmas Day. I think it was after the Vikings played the Saints. The, the Saints hung. Didn't he have six touchdowns against the Vikings? Um, anyway, and I just kind of vision that same thing. He's he's fine, but I just I don't think he's able to go in that environment and win. So I'm going to go with the Packers as well as much as it pains me. The Jets, who just scored 30 points. Sound the alarms, Paige. The Sound Jets the alarms. scored 30 points. Is they Zach play- Wilson an NFL quarterback? I don't know, but the the the, the uh, reports coming out of there are hilarious. That, like, when they met, they both agreed that after the season, the Jets are going to trade Zach Wilson and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's definitely soured over there in New Jersey. Miami could have become the second AFT team to get to 10 wins this year, but the Titans became the first team to win a game down 14 with under three minutes left. Yeah, Monday night was crazy. They trailed 27 to 13 with 308 left. Um, So Miami's loss really shook up their chance at the one seed, and the Ravens have firm control of it. Um, They have this division game, but the Dolphins have the hardest remaining schedule. Let me get that pulled up real quick. I want to read this off to you because it's actually kind of shocking who they have to play to finish the season out. So they go Jets, then they're home against the Cowboys. They then travel to Baltimore. Let me make sure I have this correct. Yes. So Dolphins, Cowboys, Ravens. Bills. That's crazy. That's tough. Crazy. Do they win this game as much as they desperately need to? The Dolphins or the Jets? The Jets. Yeah. Not the Jets, the Dolphins. The Dolphins win this game. I mean, the Jets, they they don't have any hope. They're dead. Yeah, Dolphins are going to win. By how much? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say they're going to win by 
13. What if Zach Wilson falls? Uh, Zach Wilson can't fall two consecutive games in a row. That's true. So That's he true. he done his balling. Now it's time to do the not balling. Yeah, I think for the Dolphins, the only concern that they have is Tyreek Hill may not play, uh, has an ankle. What I think is interesting is um, the best. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say the best uh, report out of this week was the Tyreek Wilson telling the story about his wife when he called and said it hurt his ankle hurt. And she was like, you better go back in that damn game. She must have had him on his fantasy team. Ha! <laughs> Zing. Ah, who hasn't heard that one before? Got him. Got him. Uh, I do think I do think that they win. Um, but I think for them, the offense looked very stale with Tyreek Kill on the sidelines. So I think the main component for them is to find creativity. Jalen Waddle's a game breaker um, and see what they can do to unlock that and have Tua be able to find other people, not just the greatest cheat code since Randy Moss. You want to hear something crazy? Crazy. Go ahead. Crazy. I had a, my, uh, one of my good friends, he lost his fantasy game by 0. 0.2 points. Oh. He just he needed Jalen Waddle to get two more yards. Uh, or just a catch. Yeah. That is disgusting. That'll sting. That will sting. The Chiefs go to New England. And I remember not just four or five years ago that this would have been the game of the week between Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. But things have changed. We have Bailey Zappi at the helm and the Chiefs are falling really quickly uh, this year, sitting at eight and five Patriots at three and ten. Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey were targeted on 20. Patrick Mahomes, 43 pass attempts, falling in 13 of 155. Mahomes, 271 passing yards against Buffalo. With no other receiver target more than four times. Seven times this season, the team has failed to score more than 20 points in the game. A Patrick Mahomes team has failed to score 20 or more. That's crazy. Or excuse me, more than 20. They've finished 20 a lot. That's crazy. Patrick Mahomes struggling on offense. But nobody can Um, catch the ball. Yeah, it's a problem. And, and, And Travis Kelsey looks slower. How dare two you? Things, two things difference. I want to say. Well, did you see the article that was written in Entertainment Tonight? No. So what is uh, Taylor Swift's birthday? December 13th. Okay. See, so yeah, I figured you know. There's an article that said, it started from Entertainment Tonight. said, Travis Kelsey was noticeably absent at uh, Taylor Swift's birthday party this week. And it was just funny to me because they literally have no idea how the NFL season works. <laughs> yeah, they were like, because their quotes in there was like, "It is apparently an NFL practice is required throughout the week. It is not optional." Like, <laughs> just like different quotes like that, which I found. This uh, is when the, the Swifties, people, yeah, people the, the, who don't know football, start trying to talk football. It's awesome, like the. Swifties are really learning a lot about the game, and uh, it's it's quite funny to see. But I have the Chiefs winning. Uh, do, I don't think it's going to be pretty because Bill Belichick, you know, that defense has played really well all year. The offense just hasn't been able to do anything. So I think the Chiefs win, but I don't think it moves the needle forward for them uh, in, in the way that they want it to in terms of, okay, we're in the right direction. I just think it, putting a W in the win column is going to be closer than they would like. And they're not going to leave it feeling very good about themselves. Old state. 
bold statement. Yeah, no, I also agree. I think that the Chiefs are going to walk away with this win. Um, I just feel like we have this conversation. I just feel like every season we have this conversation at one point with the Chiefs of like, oh, the wheels have fallen off. They're not going to be the best. And sure, eventually someday that's going to be true. But like with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, I just I have full faith that they're going to figure it out. They're going to have like they're going to have a little bumps and bruises along the way. But I just think that you're that they're going to be fine. I think they're going to come out of I think they're going to come out of this game with a win. And it's just going to put them on a trajectory to kind of get back on track before the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, this just feels realer because every year that we were doing this, you know, they at this point they had two or three losses. So it kind of was overblown. But the way that they've lost these games and the way that they could have easily lost a few others that the, that went their way makes it feel a little bit more real. But I, I, I you know, at the end of the day in the playoffs, I'm, you know, probably going to think Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to figure it out. But the fact that they're probably going to have to play the first road game uh, in the playoffs in Patrick's career kind of changes, you know, a few things. It, it, I don't think home field advantage quite is quite what it used to be because of the reselling apps and different things of that nature make it more accessible for other fans to get tickets. But I don't, you know, it's always interesting to be out of that environment and maybe not get the same whistles that you would at home, you know. As much as they gripe about the whistles, the Chiefs have been beneficiaries of quite a few calls that were in the 50-50 zone. I think that's why Patrick Mahomes fit throwing on Sunday was so funny. It's like, you know how many times do we need to bring up all of the footage? Like, roll the tapes. Yeah, because their whole argument was never that it wasn't offsides, but they were just saying you can't call in that spot. And it was like, well, remember the Super Bowl when Bradbury was called on a holding call that like, Letter of the law was a holding, but no one wanted to see it called there. Like, what are you talking about? Like, do we need to? Do we need to do this? We don't need to do this. The uh, okay, I called him Danny DeVito earlier in the podcast. I want to recorrect it. Tommy DeVito, the folklore legend of the New York Football Giants, have has them winning. They've won three in a row. He's the first undrafted rookie. I love these stats, but I have to tell you, first undrafted rookie to win three straight games without an interception. So specific. He's also the first rookie quarterback in NFL and undrafted rookie quarterback in NFL issue with 100 plus pass rating in three straight starts. And the first Giants quarterback to win three straight starts with 100 plus pass rating, zero interceptions since our old man, Fran Tarkington in 1970. They face off the Saints in New Orleans. Derek Carr here in the Boo Birds. He was telling uh, the reporters in New Orleans that he was booing his son, doing a homework to show him that hard things happen even when you don't have control over them. Something of that nature. Great family man, old Derek Carr. Does the Tommy DeVito magic continue? Uh, He has the second highest pass rating over the last four weeks at 120. Sandwiched in between Brock, Brock Purdy at one with 133 and Dak Prescott at 112. So he has been playing really well. Or does the magic end here? I think the magic's going to end. Oh, all right. Magic ended. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just New York Giants versus New New Orleans Saints. Uh, I think that I'm going to take the Saints in this one just for kicks and giggles. That's your analysis? Love it. Yeah. Because I, I just don't like the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, so you're scarred. Not- you're scarred from flying to Minnesota to watch them in a playoff game and they beat us. Yeah, that's I just, just have to vote against them this entire year because of what happened in January. Come 2024, I'll start taking less 
personal attacks against the Giants. I actually think the Giants are going to go on and win. That defense is playing really well. I think Tommy DeVito, one of the biggest things against Daniel Jones is the fact that he can't stop turning the ball over, uh, kind of like Josh Dobbs. And so I think that Tommy DeVito plays clean, and because he plays clean, it gives them a good chance. And the Saints can move the ball all up and down the field, but they cannot finish drives. So I'm going to give until Sunday to the New York Giants. Uh, CJ Shroud is still in concussion protocol. So it might be Davis Mills time in Houston, who are right at the precipice of a playoff berth that they could finish the year strong, sitting at 7-6. Will Levis and company, we have already mentioned their improbable comeback. They play at home against the Texans. The Titans are going to be wearing their throwback Houston Oilers uniform, which always slaps. But particularly when you wear it against the team that, that's, that those uniforms are from. Um, Davis Mills, this is a weird random fact, if he starts on Sunday, uh, would be the 56th different quarterback start of this season if Stroud isn't clear to play. What a that's, stat. That's quite the year. That's, you know, quarterbacks have had a year. Yeah, not a good year, but a year. Paige, do you have in this uh, AFC South matchup? Um, even though the Texans have a lot of big injuries, I think they're going to cover and pull out a victory. So, um, I just think because it's a must win game and the Titans are pretty mediocre team, then I think you're going to see the Texans pull this one out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, that'd be my analysis on it. Um, if Davis Mills plays though, I, I, I think the Titans are live and I think that they probably pick up. the So, okay. It's kind of where I'm at. CJ Shroud kind of makes that offense go. Nico Collins is is on the injury report um, with a calf injury. So that kind of seems like similar to the Colts where the Texans, really good story, unbelievable foundation year for D'Amico Rines and, 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 um, and CJ Stroud. But the NFL season's long, and uh, usually – when you're young, you don't have depth, and when you don't have depth and these injuries happen, it can expose the weaknesses even more. I don't think we have to talk about this game very much or very long. Uh, 49ers at Cardinals. There you go. What's your pick? <laughs> Shock the world. Cardinals going to win. No, I'm taking the 49ers in this one. I, uh, what are the chances they win by 15 plus? I'm going to say a solid uh, 80%. Chance. 80%. Perfect. I'll leave you with this stat. Uh, so far, Brock Purdy has the highest passer rating in NFL history with 113. He's beating Petra Holmes and Aaron Rodgers both by 10. Way to go, Brocky. I saw a very funny tweet. Uh, Brock Purdy apparently posted, or his girlfriend posted on social media, him making a pizza, like a Christmas tree pizza, had like pepperoni and stuff. And like a Niner fan, I said, I bet he's like, I bet this pizza tastes delicious. Someone quote tweeted and said, I'm sure Debo, Trent Williams, and Kishmer McCaffrey made the dough, applied the sauce, put the cheese on, and put the pepperoni, and Brock Purdy was only there for the picture. And oh that made gosh. me laugh. I chuckled. That's funny. I chuckled. I do think that they're the best team. And I think that if they don't get injured, they're going to win the Super Bowl. But the collision course between them and the Cowboys is going to be something to watch. I'm very excited to see how that all unfolds. Me too. Another game worth talking about, Commanders at Los Angeles. So the Rams are in the playoff picture. They come off a very difficult loss against Baltimore Ravens where they lost in overtime on a punt return 
which is unique that it's the second time that's happened this year. What a game. You don't see really any punt returns. So to see two of them this year happen overtime to win a game, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Um, Five of the 14 interceptions thrown by Washington Sam's Hal have come in the past five games with a pick six in each of the last three. The record for consecutive games throwing a pick six is four, said by Houston quarterback Matt Schaub in 2013, not history you want to be a part of. Paige, I know that we're going to be pulling for the commanders, but do they have a chance to upset the Rams at home? There's always a chance. So never lose hope because yes. we want we want the commanders. Um, but I'm I'm split on this one actually, because even though the commanders have kind of like fallen apart and they've lost four straight, um, their offense can be pretty aggressive. And I just think that that could come against this Rams defense. I think there's an opportunity for the commanders to kind of with that aggressive offense push the Rams defense back so much that it gives them potential of just having so much ball time, like control of the ball that yeah. they'll be able to kind of pull out a win. Uh, I think it's going to be close, but even with that, I think I have to take the Rams. I got to take, I got to take Matthew Stafford. Yeah. I'm with you. It's just, I, as much as I want the other thing to happen, I think that Matthew Stafford will make the plays he needs to, to, I think it'll be close. Commanders played in a lot of close games. Uh, but I think that'll ultimately be um, how it ends up going down. Uh, the game of the day, in my opinion, the Cowboys in Buffalo to take on the Bills. Uh, Dallas is on a five-game winning streak in Ricker, Ricker, rookie kicker, Brandon Aubrey, who is 30 for 30 on field goals attempts. Last week against Eagles, he was successful for 45, 50, 59 and 60. No kicker has made two from 59 beyond in the same game ever. Um, so the Buffalo Bills tend to play in a lot of close football games. Every loss that they have have been by six or fewer points with two of them in overtime. So are the Bills better than we think and what the record indicates? And do they have an opportunity to knock the Cowboys off at home? Um, I think that this is the thing is that with Josh Allen, a quarterback, like there's always an opportunity, but I just don't think the Cowboys are looking so good right now. I don't think the Bills are going to be able to pull this one out. Obviously, I think the Bills are going to want it more because like they need it a lot more than the Cowboys yes. do. Yes. And I think that that's going to cause Josh Allen to potentially pay out of his mind. But what I'm also worried about with it is that with Josh Allen being a little bit desperate, it might lead to some turnovers. And the Cowboys are not a team that you can have even one turnover with and come out with a victory in that game. And so I just think that the Cowboys are going to be able to pull this out because I think Josh Allen is going to make at least one critical mistake. Oh, excuse me. You know, it's uh, it's basically just a given that Josh Allen will throw an interception. I don't know what yeah. the streak is of interceptions thrown, but I every game you load up his score, box score, and it's always at least one interception in that in that tally. So I agree with you. I I kind of want to go with the Bills just because of the desperation factor. And I know I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know when you when you look at the Cowboys on grass versus turf or outdoors versus indoors, it's completely different. Now the Buffalo Bills play on turf, so it's you know not exactly the same. Um, and they're just desperate, like they they can't lose this football game. But obviously the Cowboys could come out you know with that same level of desperation because they are a completely di different team at home, like. 
Yeah. It's it's kind of nuts. The the only stat so they've scored 279 points at home and they've only given up 108. Uh that 171 is the highest point differential through seven home games in franchise history. And they finished this season Bills, Dolphins, Lions, Commanders. Three of the four are on the road. So they only have one more home game left, and that's against the Lions. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys just because I do know, I think they're going to come out knowing how important it is for that one seed. But man, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills are able to knock them off at all. Uh, Speaking of a good football game, we'll transition to another with the Ravens are in Jacksonville, 10 and three versus eight and five. Trevor Lawrence looked, Okay, last week, but not awesome. I'm and, I'm still kind of shocked that he played. Actually, yeah, I thought his life was over the way they reacted. You know, looked pretty rough, and they made him walk till uh to the parking lot. <laughs> um, Paige, the Ravens firm control of the number one seed path to it. Do they beat the Raven or the Jaguars and keep that train rolling? Yes. Yes, she says. She says yes. I say Ravens are going to win this game. I just think that they're such compared, like they're just such a better team overall. One of the most complete teams in the NFL. And to me, they're just going to be able to roll over the Jacksonville Jaguars with that. I think it's not going to be. I don't think this is going to be a super close game. I think this is going to be kind of decided and over within the third quarter. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think. I think the Jaguars are okay. I don't think that they're a good team, and in order for them to ascend. You know, Trevor Lawrence has just got to take a couple more steps forward. Um, Here's a, you know, we talk about the weapons for the Ravens, and they've kind of hit on a few different areas. Odell Beckham is one of those. He he caught four passes last week for 97 yards, three of those going for more than 15 yards against his former team, the Rams. So it seems as if their balanced attack is really starting to come forth. Uh, And so I think they're a real fun team to watch. And, don't look now, but I think if the Ravens were to win out, get to 14 and three, maybe even 13 and four, snag that one seed, I think Lamar Jackson would be your sneaky, sneaky pick for MVP. Because unfortunately, all it's turned into is the quarterback of the one seed in either conference. That's really all the MVP award is now. So give it to I, Lamar. Give it to Lamar. The last game of the week, the last game of week 15 was one that was flexed into it. Remember, the Chiefs and the Patriots were originally scheduled to play on this Monday night game. But because the Patriots are so bad, they flexed it out. Philadelphia Eagles are playing in Seattle against the Seahawks. And Philly is trying to lick its wounds a little bit. Uh, They've been outscored 75 to 32 by San Francisco and Dallas um, and has given up 34, 42, and 33 points in its past three games, the other one being against the Bills. In those games, opponents have scored a 19 of the 30 possessions, 13 touchdowns, and six field goals. That's crazy. So the defense not playing very well, the offense struggling to keep drives going. Do they have this problem in Seattle? Because Seattle, if they lose this game, their hopes of the playoffs are pretty much gone. What do you make of this Monday night bout? I mean, yeah, like to your point, they not only have the Eagles lost, but it's like they've lost two games in this. They outscored them 75 to 32, like their opponents doubled their score. And so it's like there's just a lot of stuff that's like. I think all of the weaknesses and like the concerns that we are projecting going into this season with the Eagles 
for some reason it took 14 weeks for those to get to expose, but we're finally seeing them. And I just don't know if the Eagles, I think that they're a very talented team. I think they have a really talented coach. There's an opportunity for them to kind of right the ship and come out against Seattle. The one component for me is that Seattle's in desperation mode. Like they're just barely outside of that NFC playoff picture. And so for Seattle, this is a huge game for the Eagles, not as big of a game. Right. And so I think that that kind and having it be Monday night football, Pete Carroll prime time, I think there's an opportunity that Seattle pulls out this win. I'm still going to take the Eagles because I don't think there's a world where these this Eagle team loses three in a row, but it's difficult to not. Yeah, I, I really just got to know if Seattle's going to be wearing the retro uniforms. You know, those pop. They do pop. They pop. They look really good. I, I'm split on this game as well. Again, you get into the desperation side of it. And for Seattle, you're playing the Eagles at a tough spot. Well, you could look at it in two ways. Tough spot that they've been kind of smacked in the mouth, so they may come out with a vengeance. Or you're playing them when they're just down. Like the defense is not playing really well, um, and you may be able to attack them both on the ground and in the air. So it's tough for me to say because if Seattle beats the Eagles, it's it's DEFCON 1 for the Eagles. You know, three in a row, they really should have lost against the Bills. Uh, I mean, they it took a 58-yard field goal in the rain to force overtime to win that game. And there's been, you know, the Chiefs game, they really shouldn't have won. They didn't play very well at all. The Chiefs had a couple turnovers in the, in the low red zone. So, you know, you go down the list, and it's like anytime a team goes through these things, you start nitpicking some of the ways that they did pick up the wins, and you start to wonder, is this team even really that good? Like what and, everybody was doing with the Vikings last year. Yes, and speaking to that, the the Eagles at ten and three, their their point differential is only twenty four, which is the lowest uh, in NFL history, or like not lowest, but it's like one thirtieth out of one thirty seven, or something like that. Like it's at the very very bottom, and none of those teams have even come close to winning the playoff, winning a Super Bowl. So the Eagles, this is kind of the path I see for the Eagles uh, as a team. They're going to get the fifth seed which then means they get to play the AFC South team. They're going to pulverize that team. Everyone's like, oh, they're back. They're back. They're going to travel to San Francisco and get housed. Mark it, mark it down. I want you to write that down. I'm writing okay. it down right now. Write it down. Write that's, it what down. I, that's what I think is going to happen to the Philadelphia Eagles this year. So I don't think know. that they're... You can't, you can't trust the 49ers in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Playoffs are... Winning a Super Bowl is the hardest thing to do in professional sports. It, I mean, so much has to go right for you because we're seeing it here. There's still four weeks to go. And with the rate that quarterbacks are dropping across the league, literally one of these top franchises, I hope it doesn't happen because, you know, ever wish for injury, but an Achilles could pop, an ACL could tear, and the entire landscape of the league completely changes. The football yeah. is so crazy like that. So, now those teams that gather vying for the the one seat, but you just want to get in, into the dance as healthy as possible. So retweet. Any last thoughts on week fifteen, Paige? I mean, the only things that we need to address, not a part of week fifteen. Draymond Green. Um, he's a psychopath. I mean, that should have happened how long ago? Yeah, he's nuts. Listen to this. Draymond Green, every game he doesn't play will lose $184,000. And he's already lost like $500,000 this year, I believe. 
Yeah, and it goes up where if he misses more than 20 to 224,000. Holy shnikes. The wildest thing about that is he ain't even going to notice. No, he's made a lot of money in his life. How about Shohei Otani's contract? That was weird. Yeah, it was. Did you see the breakdown of that? Break it down for us. So it's $700 million in 10 years, but he deferred $680 million of it to start being paid out in 2034. So for the next 10 years, he's only getting paid $2 million a year, only being heavily quotated. And there's a number of reasons to do that. Him, he's a winner. He, he's an uh, icon in Japan. So his off-the-field off endorsements, obviously, you know, he feels can carry him comfortably through life. But one of the one of the reasons is so this famous baseball player Bobby Benilla every July first gets paid out like 1.75 million from I believe the Mets. Uh, it's called Bobby Benilla Day because he did his deferred payments for like 15 years after his career ended. But what he did is he was in New Jersey, and when he took those payments, he moved to Florida. So those payments now are tax free. There's a lot of people thinking that's kind of what. Uh, Shohei Otani, like, yeah, he wants them to be able to win, so he wants to get them out of the luxury tax, and so they can win uh, and sign, keep signing players. But a lot of people are like, he's probably going that route too, because when this contract ends, he's going to be forty, probably not going to, you know, really be in his athletic prime anymore, unless your name is LeBron James. LeBron James. And so go somewhere where it's tax free. And I thought that's pretty smart. That's really really smart. So speaking anyway. of LeBron James. Yes. Los Angeles Lakers, winners of the first ever in-season tournament. Hey, we said that last week. No, we didn't. We didn't. Never did. We haven't recorded since. No, they won on Saturday. We haven't recorded since then. Oh, that's right. We said that they 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 won the first round. Yes. Okay. They actually won. They are the champions, my friends. Uh, hot take. Do you think it's bad or good that they're hanging a banner for that? I think it's great. I there think it go. should go. I think that's LeBron's fifth ring. Let's go. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> I do think it's funny because, like, the Lakers, they have banners and stuff. So it's kind of like, I don't think they're going to get clowned as much. They're going to get clowned because it's LeBron and people love to clown LeBron. But, like, if, say, like, the Jazz won it, they hung a banner, oh, it would be scorched earth. Like, are you kidding me? You guys can't win anything and hang a banner type of thing, you know? So hang that banner. Make that money. Uh, make that money. <laughs> Alrighty, well, it's been another episode of his podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great weekend of football, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Bye, Paige. Goodbye.